Welcome to FinTech in the Cloud with AWS, your direct line to the founders, investors, and startups who are shaping the ever-evolving world of FinTech. I'm your host, Sakai Damanga. Joining us today is James Wallace, Vice President at Ripple. James leads central bank engagement and CBDCs at Ripple. On this episode, we unpack the difference between cryptocurrencies and central bank digital currencies, also known as CBDC. We also talk about Ripple's role in this space and some of the future trends in CBDC. When this podcast was recorded, Ripple announced Ripple CBDC Innovate, a hackathon to build or update fintech or payment solutions utilizing Ripple's CBDC private ledger. You will hear it referenced throughout the podcast. Enjoy. Hi, James. Hi, Sakai. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome and thank you so much for joining. It's a real pleasure. I've been looking forward to this chat. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So, James, we like to start off with understanding your background and your journey to fintech on this podcast. So I'm curious to get a view of what your journey was pre-Ripple and how you got to Ripple prior. I think it's also fascinating when you get to hear people's backgrounds. So I will always say I've been in fintech for over 20 years. Fintech, but its basic definition is financial technology. And financial technology has been around even since before the computer. I'm not that old, by the way, but um, <laughs> it's definitely been around for a while. I started off my career at IBM and pretty much most of that time at IBM, I was selling products and services into banks, including a lot in the payment space. So that's my sort of intro to fintech, as it were. I think there's been a couple of sort of big transformation technology advances that's really made a huge impact on fintech. I mean, the first one was the internet, obviously. That was transformative. And I think the second one is blockchain. And I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that. And then I think on an infrastructure point of view, there's been huge change. Yeah, when I started my career, it was all servers and on-prem for infrastructure. Now, of course, cloud is the dominant preferred platform. So certainly been a lot of changes. My role now at Ripple is where I've been here for three years. My role is I'm the VP of Central Bank Engagements. And what that really means is I lead a team that is building solutions for central banks to implement central bank digital currencies. So I have a team of engineers, product team, marketing, business development, and so forth. So a very cool role in my eyes, building up a new business line for Ripple. Very cool. You mentioned you being at IBM for a while. And so when was the inception of your relationship with blockchain technology at IBM? How many years ago? I would say it was right at the beginning of 2015. Someone on my team said, oh, I need to explain to you about blockchain. And of course, like a lot of people back then, I said, oh, you mean Bitcoin? He goes, no, blockchain. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he educated me on the fundamental technology, and then I was hooked from there on. And so now Ripple is a pretty popular fintech. It's been around for some time and it's done some interesting and creative things within the space. For those who aren't familiar, how would you define Ripple for our listeners? Yeah, just a little bit on the background of the company and then I'll get into the definition. So we're a fintech based in San Francisco. We're actually celebrating our 10th birthday or 10th anniversary later this year. We're really focused on building out crypto solutions. We have this idea or this vision of the internet of value, right? the internet of value being that it's as easy to move money or value around the world as it is to move data today. So you should be able to send money to anyone as easy as sending them a text message or an email. So we're a crypto technology company. We leverage blockchain and crypto in our solutions. 
probably the one that we're most well known for is RippleNet. RippleNet is a global cross-border payments network. We're operating in more than 55 countries with 300 clients. We're a B2B service and shifting billions of dollars of money around the world every year. Another example is what I'm working on, which we'll talk about a bit more, which is the CBDC solution. That's a great segue for my next question, which is, I feel like we are in a bit of a digital asset surge at the moment. CBDC obviously stands for Central Bank Digital Currency. And it gets thrown into dialogue casually these days. Now, CBDCs and cryptocurrencies obviously stem from the same parent technology, which is blockchain that you've referred to a couple of times. However, it's really important to delineate the difference between the two, perhaps if possible. And if you're okay with it, do you mind just giving us what the textbook definition is for both? So CBDC and cryptocurrencies, and then how are they different from each other? I love this question because I view like a big part of my job as a guy is actually helping people understand this question. The way I kind of think about it is there's a broad category, which is digital currencies. My definition is these are currencies which are implemented on blockchain technology, typically, or distributed ledger technology. So you get all the benefits of that tech, but there are very distinct flavors. And actually, I put them in three buckets. So Cryptocurrencies is really a digital currency that's designed to be you know, used as a medium of exchange, for example, for payments that runs on a decentralized computer network. And I think the key thing here is without any reliance on a central authority. So there is no one really, no one's in charge, right? So I mean, the Bitcoin is an example of that or the XRP ledger that we tend to use. There's thousands of cryptocurrencies now, but that's basically the definition. It's a decentralized network without any central control. Now, on the other end of the scale, a central bank digital currency, the clue is in the name, right? So it's a central bank issued currency, which is essentially a digital representation of traditional fiat currency. So taking a US dollar and rather than having a paper dollar, you have a digital dollar that can be used for lots of different things. And the big difference, of course, is that it's issued and backed by a central bank. So it's underwritten by the central bank. So you have your digital dollar or your digital pound the central bank and the government are saying that is worth a dollar or a pound and we are underwriting that. I guess one of the biggest differences is a risk factor or how these things are underwritten. The people in the financial services world talk about quality of money and central bank money is viewed as like the highest quality and the lowest risk. And then the cryptocurrencies could be used for basically the same purposes, but because they're not underwritten or insured by a central authority, there is a higher element of risk there. And then just to fill in the gap in the middle, stable coins, is, I, I tend to break them out from normal traditional cryptocurrencies, particularly as we're seeing an emergence of regulation around stable coins. So stable coin is, again, it's really technically is a cryptocurrency, but it has different characteristics. That's how I think about it anyway. CBDCs on one end, stable coins in the middle, cryptocurrencies on the other end. But the key point here is they're all going to have their role to play. There's going to be a coexistence. There'll be no winners and losers. It's just going to be different currencies for different people for different use cases. It's interesting because when you think about this new surge and that's going on where everybody's talking about the different versions of crypto, whether it's stable coins or just different variations of cryptocurrencies, central bank sounds more complicated because of the regulatory component. So you rarely hear more about that when we're hearing about crypto. So it's nice to see how you delineate them and that they're all coexisting together. And they'll obviously have a place in this new ecosystem that's beginning to emerge. No, definitely. Yeah. It's, and yeah, thanks for the opportunity to answer that question, because from a Ripple perspective, 
we see a role for all three and we're working on all three. We're trying to help the world rise the tide around the adoption of digital currencies. And we have work going on in all three categories. Yeah, and I've read a couple of Ripple's thought pieces and white papers around CBDC that have come out recently. And maybe it'd be great. And I know this is more of your specialty within Ripple. Maybe it'd be great for you to tell us a little bit more about what you're working on and what the current offering at Ripple is for CBDC. I know there's a CBDC platform. Curious to know how that works. And I know there's also CBDC Innovate within Ripple. If you can give us some feedback or an overview of what that is and then what Ripple's doing in this space would be great. Yeah. The solution that we have, our CBDC solution, really consists of two main components. So there's a CBC ledger. It's a private permissioned ledger, but it's based on the XRP ledger, which is a public ledger. The reason we went down the private route was really after consulting with many central banks. They're not ready yet to issue currency on a public blockchain. The direction from them was, you, yeah, we want to start off with a private blockchain. So we said, okay, well, we're going to build ours based on pretty much exactly the same tech as the XRP ledger, because that was designed from the offset for creating currencies and payments. So we think it's the best platform for best blockchain for payments, whether it be in the public or in this case, this private version, which we've created for a central bank. So that's the sort of core ledger. The second piece of the puzzle is what we call the CBDC manager. It's a software layer that allows the central bank to interface, manage the ledger. So it manages the process for minting central bank digital currency, the creation of the tokens, the coins, for distributing that to, say, from a central bank to a commercial bank, and then from a commercial bank to individual customers. It will track the transacting, the payments, the transacting, and approve those. And then also, if people want to redeem a digital dollar for a physical dollar, it enables that process. And then the final piece is you can destroy the CBDC if you want to maintain sort of monetary control, supply of money. So we kind of view it as a full life cycle application for a central bank for essentially managing their whole CBDC program. That's the ledger. Then you've got the CBDC manager. Think of it as a platform for use cases to be built on top. We're not building all the different wallets and all the different financial inclusion use cases or DeFi applications that can sit on top. There's lots of people working on that, and we may do some of those projects ourselves, but we're trying to have a platform that other people can then also build on. That really leads on to the CBDC Innovate that you referred to. Think of it as a sort of hackathon on steroids, right? So essentially, the idea was we're building this infrastructure. We're working with central banks to pilot the infrastructure that we're building, but we want to have a lot of people working on use cases. The use cases are what people will use, right? And the infrastructure is not that interesting, really, compared to the use cases. So the idea here is we've invited both individual developers and also companies to build some apps on for CBDC use, essentially in a, like three categories. Interoperability is one, retail use cases, and financial inclusion. Those are the other two. And it's a multi two-phase program. So we've got phase one is started. That's currently running now. Submissions close on August the 25th. And then we'll, from those, and I think we're up to over 200 people have registered so far. So that's pretty impressive. From those, we'll select finalists and they'll go into a more detailed phase in the fall. And the, the winners will get announced, I think, in November at our global customer event, which is called Ripple Swell. What do the winners get? They get money. There's a pot of money 
It's depending on whether they're an individual developer or a enterprise. I mean, it could be up to $50,000. So I mean, it's not going to change the world, but it's a fairly significant amount of money in each of the categories. Obviously, they'll get some publicity. We will be promoting the event between now and November and announcing promoting the winners. So that's the second thing they get. And then thirdly, I think I'm pretty sure that we're going to get some great ideas and we will hopefully enable them to actually go out and then fully build out these use cases, right? With either with us or with a central bank or a commercial bank. So we're, mm-hmm. we're really excited about it. You might be able to tell by my voice. We're just trying to make these things real, really. You know, the infrastructure plays a tremendously important part. The platform that we're building is very important, but the use cases are really where the rubber hits the road, as they say. Right. And you mentioned oh. 200 have registered already. I'm assuming this is global. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Global. I don't have the profile of exactly who how many in each region, but yeah, absolutely. It's a global event. And in fact, we also have some pretty awesome judges lined up. I think we have judges from AWS, MasterCard, Digital Dollar, Accenture, DXC Technologies, PwC, Bank for International Settlements. I think a couple of, I think a couple of your colleagues actually. So Xiao Chen Zhang and Tracy Raisis from yes. AWS have kindly volunteered to be judges for us. So that's great. Oh, very cool. You mentioned infrastructure earlier and just kind of how that's important as you identify some of the players in this space. I'm curious to know, what are some of the tools you have found to make it easier to get started and building in the cloud and leveraging cloud specifically to deliver CBDC for your offerings? Are there any tools that have been beneficial as you identify these opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. So as we thought about how we would get started on this, building out this solution and platform, you know, cloud was the front and center. We've been deploying nodes on AWS for actually for years internally within Ripple. So when we decided to create the CBDC ledger, we've deployed it through a sandbox on AWS as we sort of roll out projects with central banks. I think most of them will want a cloud infrastructure. There may be some for regulatory purpose that need to do an on-premise implementation, but I think certainly at this stage of pilots and proof of concepts and early implementations people see the benefit of, of a cloud-based structure. In fact, we will be using the CBDC ledger on the cloud as part of this CBDC Innovate program that I mentioned previously. Whenever you read about CBDC and some of the governments that are promoting it, a lot of the times I'm seeing a lot coming out of the Caribbean. I'm seeing stuff coming out of West Africa. Is there a theme that you're seeing as well around, you know, is there a reason why a lot of these emerging markets are interested in this space? I'm just curious to get your opinion based on just some of the things that I've been reading. Yeah, it's interesting. There's not one standard reason. There are a few sort of categories, and I think each country has got slightly different priorities. So some countries are looking at this as a way to sort of leapfrog from old technology to much more modern payments infrastructure. Some countries around the world have very efficient and real-time payments, but many of them don't. So they see this as leapfrog exercise. Others see it as a way of trying to control and help influence their monetary policy. As cryptocurrencies and stablecoins get used widely around the world, some economies are concerned about the impact of those on their own currency. If they implement a cryptocurrency central bank issued, and regulate for for people to use that, then they do that as a way they can potentially get a bit more control on their monetary policy. Others are very focused on financial inclusion. That was a big part of the decision for the Royal Monetary Authority in Bhutan to work with us. They're a very ecologically conscious country. 
they actually have fairly wide penetration of mobile phones, but not that wider penetration of people with full access to financial services. So if you think about financial services, mostly they're delivered today by commercial banks who have a very high cost base and they have products that they make a lot of money, but they also have a very high cost basis and they don't find it very easy to make revenue or make profit on people with low incomes. So there's a massive opportunity, I think, for fintechs and other financial institutions to bring very low cost services to some of these markets. Even just sort of like having an account and a wallet on your phone as opposed to trying to open a bank account, which is difficult for some people. The fact that you can do all these things remotely, the old world of having to go into a branch and open an account. If you're living in a, a country where most of the banks are only in major cities and you live in a rural area, how does that work, right? So right. there's probably another whole podcast in this topic. Yeah, it's right. definitely, it's definitely lots of different reasons. My prediction is that pretty much every country that has a central bank will eventually issue a digital version of their currency. And when you say that's your prediction, what do you think that's in the next? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I wish you did. <laughs> so do I. So do I, James. <laughs> Would you say at least in the next decade, you think that a certain percentage will be moving this way? Regulations are just always so interesting, depending on what market you're referring to. But it looks like most governments and central banks seem to be quite open about digital currencies. So do you see this potentially happening in the next 10 to 15 years? That, you know, most governments will or central banks at least will be more or will be adapting to CBDC? I, you know, I'm, I'm always very optimistic. And I think the leading countries that are furthest along, I think it will be in the two to five year period. China is very advanced on digital currency, although it's not really blockchain based. It's much more of a centralized system. Right. Um, there have been some notable pilots around early programs like in the Bahamas. So I think we're seeing now the market on the whole going from like research into like pilots, right? I think the pilots is the name of the game for the next couple of years. And then I think that will then start to go into early stage implementations. I think the implementations will probably all start with one or two specific use cases and will be relatively limited. But I think certainly by 10 years from now, I think it'll be just pervasive and people won't even be thinking about the conversations we're having now, right? It'll just be everyone has it and they'll, they'll be using it. Yeah. Obviously, Ripple's done some really cool things in this space. You've mentioned the different programs that you're currently having. CBDC Innovators obviously is coming up and coming to close in August. Outside of these initiatives that you're putting together, what's next for Ripple in this space beyond the current initiatives that you seem to be very heavily invested in? At a broader level as a company, yeah, we're always innovating and we're expanding our offerings. So we have RippleNet, we have some uh, offerings around liquidity, liquidity management, and now central bank digital currencies. The journey will continue to be financially based and payments sort of centered, but I can see other add-ons, if you like, over the coming years. I mean, in my particular area, one of the countries that we're working with is already thinking about DeFi using CBDC, right? Like a, a fairly straightforward P2P lending platform for people to do small loans to friends and relatives, which they do in cash today, have it on a very simple DeFi platform. So I couldn't predict like in a year or two or three years, but I think we will see tons of different use cases emerging. And then Ripple will either develop some of those ourselves, or we will encourage the marketplace to build them. I think it'll be a combination. We're still a relatively small company and the market is huge. So I think we'll be doing a lot of partnering with the likes of AWS, with 
different fintechs to try and bring this all to life. You know, and to me, bringing it to life means people are using it and they see value in it. No one wants to build something that no one uses, right? We want to build something that people get value. It changes their lives, right? Or enables them to do something much faster or get access to a financial service they've never had access to before. So super exciting, but I don't know exactly where we'll go, but I know we'll be building lots of stuff. We're builders and we're going to be building lots of stuff in this space. Awesome. James, we've reached the end of our conversation. Thank you so much for joining. Where can people find you? Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, James Wallace. If you type in James Wallace Ripple, you'll find me there. We have a CBDC Ripple mail service. So it's cbdc at ripple.com. And if you want to find out a bit more about the company and some of our solutions, then ripple.com is the place to go. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really love the conversation and thanks for the invitation. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, please feel free to leave a review and rating. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please visit aws.amazon.com slash startups.